The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You bet, and we are uh, ready to go. Welcome to the show. It's the Wednesday night edition, the flagship of the show. This is the big one of the week where we get uh, usually most of our calls. And look at that. The phone lines are already open, 416-870-6400. That is the number to call through and ask your questions about employment. And uh, Lior taking the night off. Look at that. John Pink is taking a Wednesday night. He is peeing in the tall weeds with the big dogs. And uh, not going to make you sweat, pal. You're, you're all over this like a hobo and a ham sandwich, so we have no worries that you're going to be doing an amazing job tonight. I know you got a bunch of stuff you want to talk about. Uh, you want to reach out through email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. John's there to answer your questions uh, over till about the next 45, 48 minutes or so. If you have a chance, uh, mosey on over to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is a, a wonderful resource. It's like having uh, John Pinkus in your pocket at all times. There's lots of stuff dealing uh, there with severance and uh, severance pay calculator would be there and workplace harassment and constructive dismissal and are you a contractor, are you not, all, the, all this wonderful stuff having to do with what we talk about uh, night in, night out here on the uh, the Employment Law Show is wrapped into the Pocket Employer, uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca website. So have a uh, have a gander at that as we sit here and chat and begin to take your calls. Again, 416-870-6400 is how it all begins. This show depends on you. You make it better, so feel free to call in and uh, let's have a chat. In the meantime, brother, the week that was, uh, what do you got going on? Lots of stuff going on, and uh, hope that uh, people listening will think about people they may know that may be experiencing something mm-hmm. similar. And uh, if so, give us a call and let's chat about it because that's what this is all about. So the first situation I want to talk about involves a gentleman who had been working for a company uh, for about six months as okay. a data entry clerk. Now, he was earning about $50,000 per year in this position, and he was terminated for cause after the company said he was making too many mistakes at work. I spoke with him and asked him, you know, why had you, is it true that you've been making these mistakes and why has it been happening? He says, yes, it's, it's true I've been making these mistakes, but I've been struggling with a new system the company that uh, put in place that I was not trained on. Trained on. I just had finished learning the old one, mm-hmm. and so I was having some difficulty. I also learned he hadn't received any warnings for this. They just showed up out of uh, the blue one day and said, uh, hit the road, pack your things, you're done. So he'd gone on the severance pay calculator and seen that in these circumstances he was entitled to potentially about three months pay, $12,500. And he'd, he'd actually listened to the show and had already had a feeling that this was not just cause for dismissal. Mm-hmm. And, and of course he was right, terminating on the basis of performance, especially with no warnings, almost never going to be just cause for dismissal. But then he showed me his contract, and this is where I had some very, very good news for him. Because you see, this particular individual was on a fixed term contract for two years. And while it claimed to have a clause permitting an early termination, that clause, as it so happened, was illegal. So this gentleman was not owed $12,500. He was owed $75,000. Wow. So so we are going to be pursuing a severance package for this individual, and I anticipate we are looking at a very substantial payout once all the dust settles. So, you know, we always talk about how uh, employment contracts are, are a bad thing for employees. And, and I always right. say, you know, 90 to 99% of the time, that's true. 
Yep. Uh, but in this case, an employment contract hmm. was actually a very, very good thing. Uh, so you still want to be careful as an employee if you're ever signing an employment agreement because, like I said, most of the time it's not going to be a good thing. It's yeah. not going to be something that's going to expand your rights. But this was the exception to the rule. So it all goes to show, you know, once you've gone to the severance pay calculator, give us a call because, you know, we, we might have some bad news for you. But most of the time we'll have good news. And in this case, we had very, very good news. And, and he was uh, quite, quite happy to hear that because... Um, he had thought that he had job security for two years, and as a matter of fact, he, he has a right to compensation for that. I know you want to get another matter you want to get to, but uh, we're going to break it up in between with a phone call because our, our callers, our listeners are always top priority. 416 870 star 640 on cell. Uh, John, just got you on here. How are you, pal? Uh, not too bad. Okay, what's um, up? I'm calling in regards to my sister who was dismissed from a retirement home. Uh, her Christmas gift was, we don't need you anymore after 10 years, part-time. Gave her severance pay. She got her life put back together. She got back into the uh, personal support worker industry. And she got a job. And apparently, there was a senior that was in the retirement home where she was fired from. And she got a contract to, well, a, a visit to be with a client. And when she arrived back at her old job as an independent person for a private company that the client ordered, they said, get off the property. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what has her new employer said about that? Uh, well, this is, uh, I, I, I just got this news. Uh, it would have been very embarrassing because she had to go through a little bit of a probation period. And I said, what did uh, the new employer say when it got back to them, that you couldn't make your shift? And they said, oh, it's all confidential. Right. Okay. Well, I, I, the, the key here is going to be whether she's getting any new re repercussions at her new job, right? So if, she, if her new employer says, uh, you know, we're going to discipline you or, or worse, we're going to terminate your employment um, as a result of this, then she's going to have a right to ask that employer, well, well, what is it that happened? What is it that I did that is so terrible? Because it, just for a client to say, we don't want you on the property, is not going to be enough for them to charge her with any kind of misconduct uh, that's grounds for discipline or, or for termination. So I think at this point, you want to wait and see what the new employer says. I think what she should do is she should say, look, I've, I went back to this place. Full disclosure, I used to work there. Uh, for some reason, they've told me to get off the property. I don't know why. I don't know what to tell you, and then see what they do, right? They can't blame her for something that is completely out of her control. So that's the that's first thing. That, now, the other thing that I want to ask you about, though, um, you said she was dismissed from a retirement home from, from that, that place that she's just visiting. Uh, when did that happen? It happened uh, just before Christmas. And, and so was that, was that this, this, just this past Christmas? Yes. Okay, and, and about how long was she unemployed for? Oh, I guess about uh, eight weeks. Maybe it was further back, actually. Uh, it was maybe just before the fall because uh, she was very, very surprised. She said, well, why am I being fired? Um, right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you're being fired. This is your last day here. Well, in a sense, it, in most cases, it is true that it doesn't strictly matter the reasons why, unless there's something discriminatory. But one thing that she that she probably should look into, although she was only unemployed for eight weeks, um, depending what she's earning in the new job, she may be entitled to some additional severance. So she may want to give us a call for that reason alone. You know, given how quickly she found a new job, she may not be owed that much. 
but it, it doesn't hurt uh, to see what her entitlements would be. So I would definitely do that. But as far as her new job's concerned, I would just wait and see what happens. And, and when, if they cause an issue about it, just be candid and say, look, I, I have, she should say, I have no idea why this happened. I don't know. Would she be, um, she, she lacks the education. I can only help her so much. Would it be possible to say, well, um, did you disclose through, uh, say, the Trespassing Act that I'm not allowed on the property? Uh, there was none of that. It was, uh, I mean... Well, they don't need to do that necessarily, right? If someone says, I don't want you on my private property, they're, they're perfectly entitled to do that. But oh. if if she's if she's now not able to work in her job as a result of that, then the new employer is going to owe her severance, and she may have a cause of action uh, against these people who are interfering with her ability to uh, perform her her new job. Uh, it's it's what we call uh, inducing breach of contract. So um, I th I think that in the circumstances uh, she should be calling us anyway because of the severance yeah. from her old job, uh, and then we want to monitor what happens in this new job this new job and if it becomes an issue and if uh you know she she happens to get let go again as a result yeah. of this then we we may want to look at another cause of action so definitely she should give us a call oh thank you what a gem to have this uh outlet to uh, get questions answered thanks so much i'm so glad uh, you thank welcome. you john yeah really appreciate the uh the comment and that's uh, that's why i've been here for the last uh, seven plus years but uh, yeah do reach out indeed here's the number one eight five five Eight two one fifty nine hundred again one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach out to John after the show and uh, get more information for sure as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the uh, email address. Your phone calls, bring them on four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the number to call in, just like John did, and get the ball rolling, get some information mm -hmm. uh, rather yeah. quickly. Actually, want to uh, move over to your uh, your second matter for a week that was before we break, pal. What's up? Yeah, and hopefully uh, this this may uh, give some people some ideas of uh, situations they've been through or their friends have been sure. through uh, this is a pretty this is a fairly straightforward situation this is a gentleman who was employed for about five years uh, actually as a vice president of a mid-sized company he'd been earning a substantial salary and was also entitled to a series of other benefits restricted stock units bonuses incidental right. benefits that kind of thing so they terminated his employment and they offered him three months pay Firstly, when I spoke to him, I said his entitlements were actually much closer to eight months' pay. Uh, but it went further because this person was also entitled to a very substantial bonus worth about 20% mm. of his salary. Now, he'd received the bonus every year consistently uh, for the previous four years that he was there, but they didn't pay him out for 2019, and they were offering him nothing for 2020. This is very important because the law requires employers to pay bonuses for the year up to the termination, and uh, they usually have to prorate it for the period after their termination, oh. corresponding to the amount of severance that they're entitled to. The only time that that's not the case is if you've signed something that says it's not the case. Again, showing it, you have to be very careful about what you sign. But here he hadn't. So the bonus that he would be entitled to is, is almost over a two-year period. And I don't have to tell you that this is a very substantial figure. We're talking about 2019 and 2020. And in fact, by my calculations, it added up to almost $70,000. Wow. So he's retained us to help negotiate this bonus and the severance. And we're not going to rest until both of these very important items have been accounted for. 
We'll uh, take a short break. We'll get Charlie lined up here on the phones. In the meantime, the number, I'll give it to you again, 416-870-6400. You want to reach out through email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And we will talk about it shortly when we come back, and that is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Good start to the Wednesday night. Keep them coming. Your phone calls, we'll be talking to you after a short break right here on Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. That is the uh, the way we do it right here. You want to uh, make that phone call, 416-870-6400 is the, is the way, and we'll get to all of your phone calls. Want to uh, do that as well. And as we move on, we are going to get to uh, some prep by uh, by John Pinkus first. So moving over to those phone calls, thank you for waiting. Charlie, how are you, pal? Good. How are you? Good. What's, uh, what's on your mind, brother? Well, um, I just had a quick question about, uh, so when he opened up with uh, about the guy he had the case with earlier this week and how uh, it turned out he had a contract and he could be owed up to $75,000, mm-hmm. I, I was just I was just wondering if, if uh, you sent a letter to them saying that you were going to engage in legal activity, if, if, if they could j- just offer him the job back, would he, or could he just take whatever he was going to get in severance and run? You know, Tip, that's an interesting question, and I I have to say that it's very rare after a termination that we negotiate someone's return to work. Now, I have done it before, okay? There there are rare cases where an employer says, you know what, Uh, we're actually better off just bringing this person back. Uh, but in this case, you know, they, they terminated this person for a reason, right? They, they alleged that they had just cause, and they may not have had just cause, but they're they're clearly not interested in having this person work there anymore. If they wanted to, they could have just had him work the rest of the contract and they would have owed him nothing at the end of it. Uh, but they decided that they wanted to terminate this person in the alleged just cause because they felt very strongly about it. So typically what we're looking at in those cases is a negotiated severance package. The only times that I ever see someone go back to work is, is usually if it's there's some kind of misunderstanding, right? The employer thinks the employee did something, realize mm-hmm. that, you know, they've actually misunderstood something and they bring them back other times you know maybe an employer terminates someone in the heat of the moment and then they think about it emotions calm down uh, but it, it really works out well uh, sometimes it does uh, but uh, it's it's something that I don't I don't try very often for that reason and the other thing you have to remember uh, is that although of course you're, you're free to negotiate this between you, you and, and your employer or employer and employee is a court is never going to make that award right the only times that people can get their jobs back are if um, now in some cases if you go to certain tribunals for example if you're a federally regulated employee and you bring an unjust dismissal complaint you can get reinstatement of course if you're unionized um, there is that uh, option to go through the grievance process but for most people uh, there, including in this gentleman's case that I was speaking about earlier, that option's just not there. Um, his his only remedy is uh, breach of contract. So um, you know, it's something that an employer can always offer. And if they do, then uh, you know, I always turn to the client and I say, "Is this something you're willing to do?" But I don't foresee that happening here. Oh, okay, yeah, that's all. I, I, that's all I was wondering. I was just, mm-hmm. like, I was just wondering if they offer it back. Do you have to take it back? Well, if they offer it back to you, 
uh, and you decide not to take it back, you're going to have to have a good reason not to take it back, right? So if uh, someone, okay. and that that applies, by the way, not just in the fixed term contract context, but in any context. So in any context where, let's say you've been working for a company for five years and they let you go and they pay you, you know, eight weeks pay, and then twelve weeks later they offer you your job back. Well, that's a pretty rare scenario, but it happens from time to time. Now, if they had terminated your employment because, for example, um, you know they didn't like the amount of sick days you were taking, or they discriminated against you on the basis of race or something like that, you may have a, a very well have a right to say, "No, I'm not going back to that workplace. That's not an environment I should have to tolerate." But if it's yeah. just a regular, straight-up restructuring or something, and the employer offers you a job back, then at that point, you can only actually be compensated up to that date, generally speaking, because beyond okay, that date. You have that opportunity to take the job. Awesome! Yeah, sorry, I was I was just calling for the knowledge. I love the show, guys. Uh, thanks, Pleasure. Charlie. Appreciate that, pal. And uh, feel free to uh, call back anytime you have other uh, other issues. Uh, and in the meantime, you want to call uh, John for other matters. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. But for the remainder of this show, you know it, 416-870-6400. That is the number to use to call through and ask your questions as well. It is uh, Wednesday night here at 725. We've got lots of time for you to uh, to call in and at least get some answers happening, get on the uh, on the right track. If you want to carry forth after that with uh, Lior or John afterwards, you can do so, but at least get some baseline answers. In the meantime, shattering severance myths. Uh, we want to talk about some of these, and these are, are based, I guess, a lot of the time, John, on phone calls you'll get day in, day out, week in, week out, with people that just have mis uh, misinformation, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. The first one is uh, a big one, and this is part of the reason why uh, Lior started the show uh, over seven years ago. The main one, and it's, it's this, the myth that when you're fired, you only receive one or maybe two weeks for every year of service. If you were to ask 100 people walking down Young Street that question, 99 would say, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Yeah, I, I hope it would not be ninety nine anymore. Hopefully we've made <laughs> at this somewhat, point, right? Yeah, hopefully uh, we've made some somewhat of a point. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean that that is what galvanized Lior, among other things, uh, but mainly this, I think, to start the show because it's it's one of the biggest myths out there. The difference between your minimum rights and your full rights, because. Mm -hmm. People go online, and what do you find when you go online? You find something from the Ministry of Labor, and the Ministry of Labor will tell you that you get either one or two weeks per year of service. Right. And for your minimum entitlements, that's true, and that's all the Ministry of Labor is allowed to talk about. But the Ministry of Labor cannot talk about your full entitlements. All they can tell you is to go get a lawyer. Fortunately, the Ministry of Labor has gotten better at saying that. Um, and because I know that we've <laughs> we've been on them a little bit about uh, you know people going there and thinking those are their full severance entitlements, uh, and when in fact they're only the minimum severance entitlements. And and so if you go on the Ministry of Labor's site now, you will see a lot of disclaimers that you really should go uh, go see a lawyer. And that is advice that you should take because it is very important to speak to an employment lawyer. The difference between your minimum and your full entitlements can be tens of thousands of dollars. It can be hundreds of thousands of dollars in yeah. some cases. And so. Yes, it's true. We look at the length of service. That is relevant, but it's not everything. We're looking at a variety of factors. We're looking at your age, your position, your length of service. We're also looking at things like, were you recruited? Are there barriers to reemployment? Were you pregnant at the time they let you go? Do you have a disability? These are things that you have to discuss with an employment lawyer, and it's a qualitative analysis. There's no formula. Uh, there's, no, uh, there's really no substitute but going to an employment lawyer. 
And again, uh, shattering uh, severance myths is what we are talking about here. Another one is this, and that is uh, your employer says you've been fired for cause, so you aren't owed any severance. Bye-bye. That's right. About 80 to 90% of the time that employers allege they have cause, they don't have it. I mean, there are certainly extreme circumstances, but they are the exception to the rule. And, you know, the law actually calls cause for dismissal the capital punishment of employment law. That's what they call it. And, you know, examples of things that could be just cause are really serious dishonesty, uh, fraud, uh, for example, benefits fraud, uh, theft. These are things that will almost always be just cause for dismissal. But if you don't, if you're not guilty of one of those things, then it's probably not just cause for dismissal. Unless it's something like, uh, you know, if it could be something lesser, but they have to show they've done progressive discipline, you know, warnings, suspensions, that right. kind of thing. And, and that's why if you receive a warning, it's important to speak up if you don't agree with it. And employers, on the other hand, need to be careful about this, because if you terminate someone for cause when you don't have it, the consequences are severe. And for an employee, if your employment's terminated for cause, you should always be speaking with an employment lawyer because there are tons of situations where an employer alleges cause, and that employee, by the time we settle, ends up receiving fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars. And those employees always Jeez. tell me, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad uh, I spoke with you. We'll get to more of those uh, shattering severance myths as we uh, roll on here through the evening. In the meantime, 416-870-6400. John, thank you for hanging on. Good evening. How are you? Hey, I'm not doing too bad. How you guys doing? Good, brother. Good, what's uh, good. what's on your mind? Okay, well, there's a few quick things. Main thing, um, so my employer uh, changed me from salary to hourly with the minimum hours working out to be the same as my salary. Um, so first off, is that could that is that a major change, or because it works out the same, would it count as not being a major change? And then from that, this happened four months ago. Uh, from that, I've asked this question. Uh, we're federally regulated, so we don't mm. honor family day. And as in my position for the past seven years, I've had family day paid out as a as if I worked. And they're telling me this year now that you're hourly, it's not paid out. And it was specifically asked when this change happened, and they said nothing will change, everything will remain the same. Uh-huh. So, uh, what could I do about that? Right. Okay. So let's let's take these one at a time. So your first question, is this something that they can do, changing you from salary to hourly? Well, given what you've said in terms of the minimum hours being working out to be the same as the salary, that's effectively a distinction without a difference, right? I mean, all your rights are going to be the same. Um, you're you're receiving the same compensation. If you're let go, it will be based on the same compensation. So it's it sounds like it's really you know unless your hours start going down. Um, it's going to be the same. Now, if your hours all of a sudden suffer a precipitous decline all of the sudden, then you have a right to say, okay, well, hang on a second. We've agreed that I have a minimum amount of hours. Now, that's going to be a fundamental change. That's something you can object to, and that's the kind of thing that you should give us a call about. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, as long as you're getting these minimum hours and you're getting the same kind of compensation, it really is, as I said, a distinction without a difference. Uh, so I don't think there's anything that uh, needs to be done about that for now. Um, as far as the second thing that you've talked about, yes, I mean, this basically become arguably a term of your employment that despite the fact that you are not entitled to family day under federal legislation, um, that they provide it to you by way of paying it out. So by virtue of the fact that they're not paying it out to you, that's, um, that's arguably a breach of your employment agreement. Um, 
But the question then becomes, what, what can you do about it? Because to claim something as a constructive dismissal, for instance, it has to not just be a change, but it has to be a substantial change. It has to be a very serious change. And not paying out one day out of the year is almost certainly not going to meet that threshold. So unfortunately, based on what you've told me, I don't really see much that you can do about that. I think you can express the, the fact that you know, you're, you're disappointed about it and, and you've had this for the last seven years. But if they don't agree to do that, um, there's, you know, there's not going to be a, a place, you know, if it's, it's a, if it's a holiday that you're not going to be entitled to under federal legislation. And again, I, I, I don't have that in front of me, but I, I, I think that you're, you're correct that it's, it's just a provincial yeah. holiday. Um, yeah. So if it's not something that um, is going to be entitled to under the legislation, it's, it's kind of, it's a breach that you may not be able to do anything about. And that's, that's the tough reality about employment contracts is that not every breach you can do something about. Yeah, and quick question about, so for yeah. the hours, uh, how are they measured? Is it measured so my, our workload fluctuates, but mm -hmm. consistently year over year, mm -hmm. uh, I'm at the same hours, but month to month it fluctuates. So I is see. it yearly, if yearly it's around the same amount, or can they say, oh, well, it's gone down to 30 hours a week in September, so you, we can do that to you whenever we want? Well, that that does complicate things a little bit uh, because now you have to plan your finances a little bit differently. Um, so there is, you know, an argument that that's a breach of your employment agreement. But I still think treating that as a constructive dismissal would be risky. And and remember that whenever we're talking about a constructive dismissal, which is really the main course of action when when an employer breaches your employment agreement, we're talking about a level of risk, right? If if they term if they reduced your salary by 50% one day, I'd say that's a, that's a fairly low risk constructive mm. dismissal because that's a major change to your the terms of your employment. Now you're receiving less compensation. Here, it's just a situation where you have to plan your finances differently. And there's also the issue of the fact that this happened four months ago. So the company would have an argument, uh, potentially a compelling argument, that you've now acquiesced to these changes. Uh, so it's doubtful, in my opinion, that you can do a lot about it at this point, um, unless you're seeing changes that have happened recently, and then you may want to give us a call, and I would do it quickly because you don't want a situation where you're acquiescing to changes that have just happened. John, appreciate the call. You want to uh, carry on further? Do so. In fact, uh, well advised. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred would be the number to follow up with John uh, tomorrow or later on in the uh, in the week for sure. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca, and you also have the option anytime of going to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for more information. You still got some time here to uh, call through, ask your questions. With the remaining minutes of the show, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the uh, the number we use, of course. Talking about shattering severance myths, and another one is this: being quote unquote on contract means you don't get severance. Right. Well, there, there's kind of two meanings that this can mean. I mean, in some cases, right. we're talking about people who are on a fixed term contract, and in some cases, we're talking about people who are treating as a quote unquote contractor. Uh, if we're talking about people who are on a fixed term contract, well, we just look at the first example I talked about at the top of the mm -hmm. hour, uh, which is, you know, an individual who was only working for six months and lo and behold, his contract entitled them to $75,000. So wow, that was, I, I mean, know. that was a pretty exceptional situation, but being on contract can actually entitle you to more severance than you would normally be entitled to. And the, the severance pay calculator may actually be giving you an amount that is, you know, the severance pay calculator is based on you being an indefinite term employee. Uh, but if you've got a contract, that's when we have to talk and, and, and potentially you're owed more than that. Um, 
on the other hand, you know, if you're if you're talking about someone who is a quote unquote contractor, then mm-hmm. we have to look at is this person actually a contractor or are they an employee? Are they in business for themselves or are they in business for the person they're working for? And if you're dependent or if you're subject to their control, you're probably going to be entitled to severance just like everyone else. Right, right. I uh, get to another one here, uh, shattering severance myths, and that is short service employees get very little severance. On the contrary, right? Uh, on the contrary. I mean, there there is absolutely a recognition by the courts that someone who's employed for one or two years is in a pretty situ- similar situation as someone who's employed for three, four, even five years. And oh. for the purposes of your severance entitlements, you're, for, in the most part, uh, you're going to be treated the same. So some yeah. people who are employed for two years can be entitled to six months, nine months, even a year's severance if you know if you have an executive or very high-level position. So, for example, one case uh, I had where I represented a, a product manager who was working for a year and a half, uh, and the court awarded that person a nine-month's pay for severance. Now, wow. that, that was a somewhat exceptional situation because that person had some um, restrictions on their ability to seek other employment, but that can happen. You know, we had another case out in British Columbia uh, with, that went to court. An employee worked for six months and received six months' pay after six nice. months of employment. Right, so these these things happen, right? It's it's very context specific, uh, so that's why don't make any assumptions, and certainly don't assume you're going to be entitled to uh, very little severance just because you're a short-term employee. Quite the contrary. For, sorry, pal. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the number. Moving on to Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Good, pal. What's uh, what's very on your well. mind? Um, actually, I'm probably calling from the opposite side of the uh, of being an employer. My son is. Uh, out of school for a year now in the video editing um, job and he's getting mm-hmm. contracts here and there and he's just re- uh, received a, um, a contract to work on a cruise liner okay. down in Florida and right. he's just kind of not sure because he has a few other jobs that are close to maybe happening so mm-hmm. the question is more like if he's signs or if he does his contract with a cruise liner and one of these other jobs happen to come through before he gets down there is is these contracts with these cruise liners um uh, i don't say breakable but how how binding are they if, if something better comes along Right. Well, the first thing that I should I should mention as a disclaimer is that I, I can't speak to Florida law uh, because uh, that's something that you'd need a, an attorney in, in Florida who, who could review that contract and could tell you if, if that contract speaks to specific consequences because there may be something in the contract that says, you know, if, if you end the contract prematurely, you have to provide us with such and such notice or there's such and such penalty. So that's the first thing that you need to know. You need to read the contract very carefully and you may want to consider um, getting someone who um, is uh, competent in Florida state law um, to look over that for you. Uh, but if if after reading that there are no consequences uh, spelled out there and he reneges on the contract uh, before it starts, I mean, the I think the worst case scenario about that, practically speaking, is it's just a bad form, right? I mean, you really should not be accepting a contract if you're not prepared to commit to it, if you're still looking at others. I think the best way to deal with that is to be candid, to be open and transparent with them and say, look, I, I really appreciate the offer. I'm very flattered by this and I'm going to consider it, but I am, I am making some other um, considerations right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can't commit this to this right now because word travels, right? And you have to think about that. So sure. irrespective of the legal consequences of that, which, which may be nil, um, I just think it's it, as a practical matter, it's not a good thing to do if you can avoid it. Okay. 
No, I appreciate your input. Fair enough. Very much. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. And uh, you want to reach out any further, you can do so as we get down here the last uh, few minutes of the show. But if you want to squeeze a call in, we'd love to have you. 416-870-6400 is the number. Shattering severance myths. Uh, the next one, your right to, to severance expire if you don't accept your employer's offer deadline. We're talking about a pressure tactic now, right? Right. So I'm going to share uh, a, a secret with our, our listeners. <laughs> um, almost every termination letter say 90, 95%, almost every termination letter has a deadline. Sure. Um, and take it from me because I write termination letters. <laughs> I, I, I act for employers too. And I have never written a termination letter that doesn't have a deadline. And why? Right. Because the employer wants closure. They want this thing done. The yep. deadline is not there because they're planning on pulling the offer, generally speaking. An employer is almost never going to be pulling an offer. The reason they put that deadline in there is because they want you to sign. They have a release and they really want you to sign that. Now, can they pull the offer? Yes, of course they can. That They have the right to do that. But think about it. Do they really have an incentive to do that? They're asking you yeah. to sign the release because they don't want to be sued. They don't want litigation. If they pull the offer, they're guaranteeing that they're going to be facing litigation. And I can tell you from the perspective of working with employers as well as employees, employers don't want to do that. And if an employer wanted to be sued, they wouldn't be offering it to you in the first place. So what's your actual deadline? Your actual deadline is two years from the date of your notice of termination for wrong for dismissal claims, and there's a one-year limitation period for human rights claims. Now, it doesn't mean you right. should wait two years. There's no reason to wait. Call an employment lawyer as soon as you receive the termination letter, but don't be frightened by the deadline. Understand why it's there. I want to move down maybe to uh, an email or two. We'll get to uh, Richard here. It says, how long do employers need to give you for lunch breaks? So uh, a lunch break is something that in, that we've referred to actually as eating periods. Uh, and really? Speak, yeah, we, we call <laughs> it funny. eating periods. You know what? It's, it is, but it's important because it's actually a lot of people think it's, it's synonymous with smoke breaks, and it's not. You don't have a right ah. to smoke break. You have a right to a lunch break, uh, an eating period. And generally speaking, the rule is, unless you're subject to one of the exemptions under the Employment Standards Act, most people get entitled to 30 minutes for every consecutive five hours. So short answer. 30 minutes every five hours. You work more than five hours, it's going to be uh, an hour. Get to uh, Kara. Kara says, John, I mixed up uh, a client file at work, and it caused one of our clients to get very angry and close their account with the company. The company fired me and asserted just cause. I just made an honest mistake. Do I have a case for wrongful dismissal? Well, based on, on what you said, Kara, absolutely, you have a yeah. claim for wrongful dismissal here. I mean, one honest mistake, and, and you know, we don't know how long she was working with the company here, but even if she had not worked with the company for very long, uh, the law is pretty reluctant to punish people for honest mistakes in the course yeah. of their job. I mean, mistakes happen, right? Uh, and companies have to accept that. It's like, you know, sometimes we have people who are drivers who come to us who get in fender benders. Obviously, that's not mm -hmm. ideal, but is one fender bender going to give the employer the right to, to summarily dismiss you and an alleged cause? Yeah. Generally speaking, the answer, that's no, no. So, yes, you have a case. <laughs> yeah, basically, is what you're trying to say. Yes. Uh, Julian, uh, Julian writes in here. We'll get to this one as well. Julian says, I work as a commissioned salesperson and charge HST on all my invoices to the company. I only work for them, but they don't deduct any taxes, and I set my own schedule. <clears throat> Misclassification. If they let me go, am I, titled, am I entitled to severance? 
That's right. Mis- misclassification is right, John. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, we don't. We need to know more about this, of course. Yeah. But if you're a salesperson, and I've I've talked to so many salespeople who are misclassified, they're routinely misclassified. You know, they're called independent consultants or sales agents or some kind of nonsense like that. Right, right. And the reality is, for many of these people, they're working for only one employer. They may control their hours, but realistically, they're getting. Um, they're not paying most of their expenses, and sometimes they're not paying any of their expenses. They're receiving, in some cases, a fixed salary. They're getting vacation. They may be getting benefits. They're not hiring their own people. Uh, they're not, you know, they're they're not really risking anything by working in that job. So generally speaking, those people are going to be employees. And in the rare cases where they do have control over those things and they are actually contractors, they could still right. end up being dependent contractors, and they're still going to be entitled to severance. So Julian uh, should definitely uh, you should definitely be calling us if you are let go because it very well could be a situation where you're an employee and you're entitled to severance or you may be a dependent contractor and entitled to severance. And the dependent contractor, to narrow it down a little, is someone who has other business, but say 70 or 80% comes from one company or one person, one outlet? That's right. So if you're working and you're in a situation where you know only 30% of your business comes from one place and they end that and, and you're a true contractor, then probably that's a situation where you know you haven't been terminated, you've just lost a client. <laughs> right, right? Gotcha. So that's going to be a situation where you're not going to be entitled to severance. But if you are working 80% of the time or 70% of the time or even you know 65% of the time for yeah. one company that very well could be a situation where you're entitled to severance and obviously the more dependent you are on them the better a case that can be made for severance Nicely done for the uh, Wednesday night. My brother, we'll, uh, we'll let you go for there. You want to reach out, get a hold of John or Lior or a member of the team. It's simple now that we're done. Now you can bounce over to the other phone number. That is 1-855-821-5900. You can email as well. Always help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you, if you shorten that down to employmentlawyer.ca, that'll bounce you over to the website where you can catch past radio shows and catch our uh, TV show as well, the Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV. And last but certainly not least, you want more information, you want your own pocket employment lawyer with you at all times go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca there's a ton of information as well back here on the weekend uh, with another episode of this and the tv show coming up on the weekend as well do not move a muscle well you can move a muscle but don't go anywhere on point continues with alex pearson right here on global news radio the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.